Hey, welcome to the party. Do you have trauma? Who doesn't, right? We're all good people here. This is a safe place. Would you like to meet the party hosts? They will show you around and tell you what you need to know. Introducing Dr. David Bonanno and Crystal Roberts, two psychotherapists who have PTSD themselves, but have been let down by the system. Are you searching for answers? You should get to know these people. Grab yourself something to drink and let's party. It's a damn trauma party. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Trauma Party with Dr. Dave Bonanno and Crystal Roberts. Uh, last episode, we heard all about Dr. Bonanno and his genius, and there's plenty more for us to delve into. Today, we are going to hear a little bit more about me, Crystal. Um, Dave, guide me through. Right on. Well, um, so yeah, once again, one of the things that we think is kind of cool about this podcast is we don't know each other all that well. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get to know each other as you guys get to know us and as we get to know ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, like, uh, uh, Crystal, um, you just kind of came out of the woodwork and and met me and, and that was like really cool. It seemed sort of providential. And yeah. uh, so we did talk a little bit about your career and you, you do have a really impressive history. How about if you were to just talk about, how about let's start with this, whatever made you want to become a therapist? So probably the cliche of, um, you know, trying to figure out my own life and the people in my own life. Um, they always, or at least when I was going through school, they always said, if, if you go into psychology to try to help yourself or help those around you, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. And that's not like why I was in it, because generally, since I could form the thought, I've always wanted to help people. Um, so it's not why I was in it, but it was what intrigued me. Um, there was a lot of, are we, are we cursing on this? Yeah. Hell or are yeah. we not cursing? Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> fucked up shit that was going on in my life. And I mean, I was really young when I decided to go into, when I decided that psychology in general was going to be a focus, um, in my life, honestly, it was the first psychology class of my freshman year, um, of high school, um, that my brain just turned on with it and I couldn't put it down since. And it was driven by a desire to understand, a desire to understand what was going on around me, a desire to understand myself, and a desire to not repeat the things that I was seeing go on around me. So, right on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so hard not to repeat that stuff, even if you know what's going on. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, a lot of it is kind of bred in us. A lot of it is DNA, um, but a lot of it is bred in us and, you know, we're conditioned. So, it is hard enough if you do understand and it's impossible really if you don't have any understanding so i was just trying to give myself a leg up if i could and um i think i've done pretty good with it yeah right on uh, one of the things that did really um impress me was how you're so inquisitive and in, and in how like you do get really kind of obsessed with uh certain like things you just want to figure out oh yeah and yeah so like i did go into the field trying to get answers for myself um but it's not like and i'm sure you'll agree with it, it's not like i wake up or i or i go to work and i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna save the world today i'm gonna help people today well i think really is i mean because we would just you know insert ourselves too much into the equation and it wouldn't work out and what really gets me is like if i get a new client then it sort of feels like all right what kind of 
uh, puzzle is going to come walking mm -hmm. through the door and how am I going to work with these pieces, right? Is that what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I so think that's a really good way to look at it too, is um, the puzzles and the pieces, because there are so many factors and so many pieces in a person and their personality and their world and their life. Um, and to really get a full picture and be able to do anything most successfully, you've got to see all the pieces and understand everything that goes into it. So I like the way that you're seeing that. Do you mind giving us uh, an idea of all the fucked up shit or some of the fucked up shit that you're going through in your childhood and before sure. you became a rapper? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in a really volatile household um, in all of the ways. Definitely. Ooh, this is going to be aired. <laughs> um Definitely physically, physical abuse, um, mental, emotional, psychological abuse, and sexual abuse were all things that um, I was enduring or endured, and all things that were going on around me pretty much daily, um, particularly the um, physical and psychological abuse and an abusive environment. Um, the psychological piece was really twisty and um, complex. So, you know, it wasn't one factor of I was made to feel a certain way about my looks or made to feel a certain way about my capabilities. Um, like it was really, really mentally twisty and just complex and deep and um that stuff gets super rooted in your brain and in your psyche and in your heart um and there are so many things that come from that including finding yourself in situations whether it be related to that particular environment or in relationships as you're getting older that mimic what you got used to or that kind of repeat these cycles and there's you know theories about that that i'm sure we'll talk about one day freud um but um yeah it's it was volatile in all of the ways and on a daily basis um and beyond surface level not that not that surface level isn't enough but it was really deep rooted and difficult to understand and difficult to cope with yeah right yeah gosh um I've, I've been there too and like isn't it funny how people try to give you advice and you know let's say somebody is psychologically abusing you and then somebody could just tell you like well tell them to fuck off or just don't listen to them as if it's not if it's right. anywhere near that easy yeah right yeah those are always great suggestions um and by that i mean those are terrible suggestions <laughs> because it's never that easy um for probably many different reasons from power dynamics to twistedly loving the person that is abusing you um and you know that that dynamic in and of itself is its own difficulty to get through in so many ways yeah, so a client once asked me, if somebody loves you, can they hurt you? I'm like, what the, yeah, what the hell are you talking 100%. about? 100%. That's who hurts you. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think if somebody loves you, 
they will hurt you. It's just about what kind of hurt and how much and for how long and do they care to try to not hurt you as much. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I heard this saying that like life is our relationships are two porcupines in a box and you're really trying not to stick each other. So you, you have to keep adjusting. But then again, like some the people who are abusive often don't want to know if they are hurting you or not. And they're or sometimes they're fucking stabbing you in the throat. So absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so you, so you had a real tough childhood. Um, anything else you want to add about that, how it affected your development, uh, like even in a teenager? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely didn't stop in childhood. Um, I would say that it can, I, honestly, it's probably still surfaces, um, even today in adulthood, but you know, it definitely didn't stop in childhood from the main environment, but then also it absolutely manifested in myself and, and my life and my functioning. Um, but also in the relationships that I ended up having, um, friendships and like dating relationships. Um, I would definitely say that depression and anxiety were a big manifestation of the different things that I was going through. I didn't know that or understand that. I don't even think that I knew or understood that I was depressed um, or anxious, but looking back, you know, hindsight, I definitely was. Um, There's this uh, book of writings that I kind of kept over the years of my childhood into teenager um and looking back on them it's like whoa (laughs) this chick needed some help (laughs) real bad um but i do keep it kind of for those purposes um to i don't know remember that version of me and care for her but also have perspective and realize what i have come through Um, so depression and anxiety, lots of pressure to be perfect, um, in all of the ways, uh, lots of bad repercussions if I was not perfect in all of the ways. And then we start getting into dating relationships and it was pretty much the classic getting into relationships that look like what you grew up around. Um, so I had not, well, Actually, that's not true. So the first relationships that I was ever in definitely involved sexual abuse. Um, And then past that, one of the first serious relationships that I was in, if you can call it that, I mean, it was that then. Um, I look back now and I'm like, what in the world? But I think we all do that to an extent. Oh, yeah. It was emotionally, psychologically, and physically, and sexually, but primarily uh, psychologically and physically abusive. Um, And those dynamics of like the trauma bonding and um, the seeking approval and the like victimhood. Um, And I I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, Definitely repeated in that relationship. And it is really tough to get out of those situations if you can even realize that they're situations that you need to get out of. Um, so it manifested absolutely into my relationships and those poor relationship patterns continued through college at least. Um, 
because there is so much to understand about yourself, but also other people and so much to undo in the sense of what's been rooted in you in order to have healthier relationships. So, um, those would definitely be primary manifestations, um, of how they showed up. There was some, um, substance use, um, periods that, Thankfully, I don't think that I ever entered a place of full-blown addiction to anything. Um, and I truly am thankful for that because it's definitely something that could have happened and definitely something that, you know, the things that I dabbled in would have set me up for. Um, I don't know why particularly I didn't ever end up in full-blown addiction, but I am grateful that I didn't. Um, however, I was turning to different substances to try to cope. Um, I didn't know that I was doing that at the time, but I was definitely trying to numb feelings or trying to feel okay. Um, and then of course, like the trying to fit in and things like that, but it was, it was deeper than just that for me. Um, so that was definitely a, a way that it showed up, um, as well. You know, I if I could just jump in, um, yeah. where you said uh, it was so hard to get out of those relationships. I think that's, unless you've been in that situation, people really have no idea what that's mm -hmm. like. And, and oh, so, yeah. you know, yeah, so they try to imagine themselves in a situation and then think like, oh, why don't I just, you, why don't, why doesn't she just, you know, leave or, or whatever. Um, you know, there's fight, flight, or freeze mm -hmm. and so your first option is to fight and your second is to run away but if you can't then you do really kind of enter this um inactive state mm -hmm. and i think that's uh, that's what happens so often when people are sexually assaulted or abused mm -hmm. and so like we decide that we are not going to talk about politics in, on this show but mm -hmm. you know right now there's a trial going on for the president trump who had allegedly raped a woman mm -hmm. and then people are saying like well obviously she waited until now so that she that they could get him so that the democrats could get him and she's making it all up but i mean i i guess i'm just kind of trying to touch on like why a lot of times for women it's extremely difficult and i mean i'm just assuming this to take action against uh to persecute somebody or to um you know to even leave a relationship right it's incredibly difficult so your assumptions are absolutely correct and in different ways and on different levels, depending on the situation and the dynamics. Um, one of which in regards to, you know, actually coming forward in any way to be involved in any sort of legal action. Today in the way that the justice system is set up and what constitutes evidence and what doesn't, it is incredibly hard to prove that something happened whenever it was, not to mention in the past. Um, and I mean, there's a, there's a reason that reporting is, is not likely like the under reporting rate, um, is, huge this, this statistics today i probably couldn't rattle off but um years ago you know it's like 80 90 percent of rapes of 
abuse are not reported. And there's reasons for that from the dynamics in the relationship to not being believed, not being supported. They're not being resources. And then the trauma itself that comes from trying to report or tell your story or prosecute someone um, and how difficult it is. So essentially you're kind of going through this whole process of being shut down and unfortunately in a lot of ways being exposed to abuse again, um, systematic often, but uh, it's really, really tough. And that's just in legal aspects. When you get into like relational dynamics, again, it the difficulty really depends on the situation and the relationship. Um, there's another aspect like with the fight, flight and freeze, there's fawn. Um, and that too is a trauma response of almost like trying to, to prove yourself and your worth to the other person and gain their approval, gain their acceptance, gain their love. And um, that in, entire dynamic comes out a lot in interpersonal relationships and that repetition makes it difficult to leave as well. What you, you said fight, flight, or freeze, and then what did you call it? Fawn. So like fawning behaviors. I didn't, um, know, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not widely talked about, but um, I think, yeah, I, I can kind of remember where I was when I first read about it. Um, but it made a lot of sense to me because that too is a trauma response. And maybe that's something we could talk about in future episodes. Yeah, man. I, um, I got out of an abusive relationship, not a romantic one, but recently, and, uh, my therapist really helped me understand how abuse works and how it was a lot of it was my fault, uh, for being the victim and what I was getting out of it was this sort of continual chance to try to prove myself or redeem myself. I just mm -hmm. was totally unaware of it at the time, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I, I see where that's going. Man, time's flying. Uh, <laughs> not that we have to stop, but uh, can you can you just kind of give us an idea of some of the things you've done in your career? Like, yeah. it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. Absolutely, yeah, I have. Um, so my very first job out of grad school was at a state mental health center. Um, and I worked with adults, um, with, it, it was an acute unit. Um, so lots of depression, anxiety, uh, schizophrenia, things like that. And it was there that I first kind of stepped into what would end up being a, a specialty in trauma. And, um, I became like the liaison between the mental health center and a local, um, domestic violence shelter and started doing a lot of um, work individually with victims of domestic violence, um, but also then groups, psychoeducational groups, process groups, and even kind of got an interest sparked there with some of the clients that I ended up seeing uh, to work with perpetrators um, of interpersonal violence. And from there, I went to a, um, inpatient psychiatric facility for juvenile sexual offenders. Um, and it was male juvenile sexual offenders and, uh, worked there for quite a while. That was beyond interesting. Um, yeah. and you know, I learned so much there. Um, it definitely fed into my wanting to work with perpetrators. Um, 
from there, I went back to Clemson University and worked in their counseling department. Um, I worked as a staff counselor for a little bit, but then I ended up um, becoming the coordinator of um, their CU CARES program, this, their interpersonal violence and sexual assault program, um, and really delved into lots of trainings and learning um, there related to trauma. Um, the focus was interpersonal trauma, as in like current relational trauma. However, when you get into that world, you start to realize um, that relational trauma goes way, way back. Um, and so much of it is developmental. And um, that's when I kind of started delving into that world. So um, then I worked in private practice and I've been working in private practice since. I've worked in group practices and um, also own my own practice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. Yeah. And you've run, you've run practice. You've been a di mm -hmm. director too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I was a clinical director. I, I earned my way up to being a clinical director of the group practice that I was at and then went out on, on my own and um, just ran my own. Um, it wasn't always just me. I've had other clinicians um, right now. It's just the one man clinician show. And that's okay with me. Um, I'm always open to different things, but private practice has been where I've been since about 2016, still with the focus in trauma. Right on. I, I would really like to learn from you about sexual offenders because I think like most people, I'm just so disgusted with them that I, I don't even want to like, mm -hmm. and, and I, I did work in a group practice where I did, here's a couple of little funny stories, but, uh, so I worked at a group practice and, uh, they would, they specialized in that. The, the managing partners did. There's one, one time this one guy, uh, was out and I, he was just, well, anyway, so my, my partner, he, or he said, uh, is that one of mine or one of yours? And then he took a look out there and he's like, oh yeah, that's one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, I, and I really don't want to sound like, you know, an asshole here. Cause I am, I mean, I'm just being honest that they, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I started, I got a chance to work with them and I, I wasn't really able to do it. And then that guy said, well, then don't do it. If it's not your thing, then don't do it. Absolutely. But, you know, nobody wants to understand them. Nobody wants to try to put themselves in, in their shoes. And I think that's really kind of what does need to happen. Um, mm -hmm. So I would like to learn a lot more about that. But um, the other funny sort of thing was I went to a training one time and this woman um, was talking about what she did. And she said, I, I work with people who make poor sexual choices. And then she kept, and then somebody's like, what do you, what, what, what do you mean? And she's like, well, they don't want to be called offenders. So I, that's just what I say. And like, we were like, what? Like, what do you say? Like, okay, so these are your choices over here. You want to make choices way, way, way different than you've been making. Like, what is right. that? Like, what the hell is that? For people make poor sexual choices. But yeah, like, it, abuse has been happening since, um, I mean, day one. So like, mm -hmm. To, to just kind of like sit back and condemn it and, and think of those people as inhuman is is you're not understanding what's happening and then you're not gonna be able to, to fix the problem. So I would love to mm -hmm. definitely talk about that in the future. Yeah, for sure. Um, it hasn't been my primary focus in a few years, not because I haven't wanted it to be, but it's just ended up my clientele has been um, more on the side of those that it happens to versus those that are offending. Um, but 
you know, the way that I saw it and have seen it is they're the ones doing it. Like that's, that's where true change would happen is helping them to, to help themselves and to be different. Um, otherwise we're always at intervention instead of prevention. Um, so that was, that wasn't, is my, my interest in working with that population, although it's not easy uh, and you do have to check yourself a whole lot and it's not something that everybody can or wants to be a part of. And that's more than okay. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the thoughts and feelings that come up for you or people that have similar ones and they're more than understandable. Um, sometimes it is just about how do we actually create change versus continuing to try to stop the bleeding once it's already happened, if, if that makes sense. But yeah, I would love to talk about that further. All right. Awesome. Um, well, I guess I was going to, uh, lead into the next episode, unless there's other stuff that you want to cover. I think that's good. I mean, we'll definitely dive into, um, deeper things about you and about me in the future. Like you said, we're getting to know each other as we get to know ourselves and our audience gets to know us too. Um, so I'm sure there are, you know, books worth of stuff from both of us and uh, those things will come out pretty naturally, I think. So I'm totally cool with you segueing. All right, cool. cool. Well, thank you so much, Crystal. Um, appreciate your honesty and forthrightness and authenticity. And, um, <laughs> so um, please stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to talk about what the hell is PTSD? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I don't believe that there's a convenient, memorable definition out there. I think it's mm-hmm. one of the cloudiest things in psychology, even though everybody's talking about it. And, you know, you go online and look it up, you see the same definition everywhere. It's just a list of symptoms, not even a definition. So we're going to talk about that and why people are reluctant to be diagnosed with it, why people are very reluctant to diagnose it, and also dive into what it kind of is like to have PTSD. So thanks again, Crystal, and thanks you guys for listening at the trauma party. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) y'all. All right, see ya. Okay, everybody, the party's over. Isn't it fun to talk about trauma? Thank you so much for coming. We really got to do this again soon, right? Can't wait to see you at the next trauma party. Woohoo!